Welcome to Urban Foundry. All opinions expressed by Andrew Urban, Paige O'Neill, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Collier's International, Inc. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Collier's International may maintain positions in the properties discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the Urban Foundry podcast, your go-to source for urban real estate news and conversations. I'm Andrew Urban. And I'm Paige O'Neill, and we will be your co-hosts as we explore the future of downtown real estate. This This is Urban Urban Foundry. Foundry. Welcome back to Urban Foundry. You're here with Andrew Urban. And Paige O'Neill. And we have a great guest on today, Chris Gall from Visit Indy. Chris, welcome to the studio. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Andrew and Paige, for having me in. Welcome. Welcome. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do people comment on how great your hair is? Since the seventh grade, <laughs> I'm like, you got a great head of hair. I am you. so and, jealous. And yeah. it's, it's, and if anyone knows me, I am bald. Okay. Yes, you are. <laughs> very, very much. I didn't want to bring it up. I, yeah, he is. Yeah, I know. Elephant in the room. It's, it's out there. Uh, I have, I'm have. i follically challenged. And you have an amazing Thank head you. of hair, my friend. Since Holy the seventh cow. grade, it's been a, a characteristic trait that people do uh, point out. Okay. And I've embraced it. Nice. As you uh, should. I think my, I think it's your mom's dad is, is, is where that comes your from. And so dad. my okay. grandpa did have uh, on both sides, a good head of hair. Got it. Wow. I'm going to have so to go look just... up pictures of Scott's mom's dad. Oh, well, it's because he's matter. losing it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter now it's gone. Yeah. Right. Like he needs going, to join. Going, gone. To Scott O'Neill. We love you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you need to join the club. Um, we meet every Thursday at seven thirty in the church basement of Meridian Methodist. So uh, you're here and you're supported, brother. There so. you go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, Chris, tell us a little bit more about you and, and Visit Indy. Yeah. Again, thanks for having me on. So, um, I'm executive vice president with Visit Indy. We're a nonprofit. We've been around a hundred years. In fact, we're, we're celebrating our centennial this year. We spun out of the Indianapolis Chamber, the Indy Chamber, a hundred years ago. Really? Nice. When visitors first started. That collecting in Indianapolis and and someone needed to think about where they're going to stay and what they're going to do. And a lot of that centers back on the automotive industry. And so, yeah, we're a hundred year old nonprofit. We've got about 60 teammates. Most major cities have a tourism and convention visitor bureau. That's us, Visit Indy. And so we exist to drive visitors to Indianapolis. Our job is also to enhance the brand of Indianapolis right. outside of the city so that when people think about Indy, it conjures up a, a positive uh, impression or, or perception. I'm a Hoosier. I grew up, I went to Pike High School, Nice. went on to Butler University, lived in Hawaii. My mom's side of the family has strong ties there. And so oh. after graduating from Butler, my wife and I were there working in, and I was in tourism. And I've always been fascinated why people travel Mm-hmm. how they are influenced to travel, and then ultimately how long they stay, what they take away from a destination. And so prior to joining Visit Indy 18 years ago, I was helping Hawaii tourism and came back in 2005, and, and we want, I wanted to stay in tourism and wiggled into Visit Indy. So it's, it's been 18 years of seeing our wow. city physically grow and hosting a lot of events and hopefully trying to change the perception of our city along the way. Uh, and 18 years, I mean, that's a, that's a great tenure. What was it like when you joined? What do you kind of, what was your kind of, you know, thesis and verdict on where Indy was and then where, where have you seen it kind of go macro wise? Yeah, it's a great question, Andrew. I, I think in 2005, when my wife and I returned back mm-hmm. and I started a visit Indy, we were focused on having a, a pretty small football stadium, the Hoosier Dome, the yep, RCA yep. Dome. We were focused on an airport that our visitors were starting to criticize right. and this idea that 
aren't we more than sports? Those are kind of the three lookbacks, uh, my knee jerk, if you will, my blink, right. if you will. If you think about 2005, where Indianapolis was seated, mm-hmm. you think about building Lucas Oil Stadium, and that came online in 2008. Right. Our, our airport, award-winning, yeah, mm-hmm. 2008, came on onto on the uh, scene. And arguably, it's the arts and cultural part of Indianapolis that is catching up with our sports brand. And mm-hmm. we've seen that borne out in major uh, national media, giving us a stamp of approval and just how people travel and what they want to do in Indy. That's 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 interesting. And, and for a lot of our listeners, they know, you know, Paige grew up in the Indianapolis area. I did not. Right. And so in a lot of ways, when I'm asking these questions, I'm trying to learn, you know, a little bit more about the city itself. I've been here almost seven years. Right. So I've gotten a little bit of that, a piece of that. But it's always interesting to kind of look back and see where we've been. What, what do you, you you mentioned arts and culture. Right. Obviously, sports, those are big venues, very visible really easy to like tangibly show people. Um, same thing with airports, right? And, and I do think airports are one thing that are huge for a lot of cities, but then talk to me about arts and culture. Like you said, it, you know, didn't really have that reputation. How do you build it? Cause that's more intangible, right? That's hard to feel and, and disseminate. Necessarily. Yeah, you're right. We're a very convention dependent tourism industry. Right. In other words, you travel for business or pleasure. Mm-hmm. If you think about your own behaviors, you, you travel for business or pleasure. And in both cases, we look to influence that at Visit Indy to attract those audiences. More and more, people are visiting our city, and this might be a surprise to your visitors, visitors for the leisure piece. Interesting. So I was going to ask that question. You, 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 know, you walk downtown and you see everyone with their convention badge or you see a major sporting event, you know they're here for that. Right. Yet daily, year-round, people arrive to Indianapolis, Indiana, check into our hotels, see the world's largest children's museum, explore White River State Park, go see a concert, and get away. It might be for a long weekend. Mm-hmm. We're not a vacation destination. In other words, Visit Indy can't say, come vacation in Indy. Okay, <laughs> right. that's what the research yeah. says, yeah. no. Yeah. We're an escape or a getaway. A getaway yeah. is a long weekend mm-hmm. right. centered around right. food, art, and culture, or a major sporting event or concert. An escape is a couple or a family looking to retreat and reconnect. And we're conducive to that based on our mm-hmm. geographic placement and the cost to escape here. Mm-hmm. And so when visiting, he goes out to, to market as an escape or a getaway. It's food, art, and culture. That's why people travel. They're looking for a unique experience. They want to go where locals are and they want to unplug. Mm-hmm. And traditionally it's summer break, you know, spring break, fall break, and holiday break is when our, our, our tipping points are, when a lot of those folks come for a leisure bit, visit from Chicago, Nashville, Detroit's okay, an emerging, yeah. emerging market. We have people arriving from LA daily, wow. New York daily. And I think as residents, that might come as a surprise, yet in the tourism industry, it's, it's the reality. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, That's fascinating. But it makes a lot of sense now that you frame it up in that context, right? Because I've always, I've always kind of secretly wondered, you know, since, you know, the pandemic, right? What did you see change kind of in that, right? Are, are you seeing, because we're positioned as that we can get away, and I think people have been just in general more stressed, right? And there's been just so many gyrations in the world. Do you feel like that's played to our benefit a little bit? It has. It, there's, a, there's a trend that continues, and it's uh, revenge travel. It's this idea that in the pandemic, mm-hmm. we were cooped up and not able to travel. And so mm-hmm. the tourism industry was at the epicenter of being hit by the pandemic. Right. Incomes are back. People are hungry. They, they have reassessed. This is the research that we subscribe to from U.S. Travel and other uh, brands that are studying how consumers move for business or, or, or pleasure. Um, we want to we wanna get out and travel. We want to recoup some of that time lost. And we've also reassessed as a society how we're investing the unrenewable resource of time. Yeah. 
where we're working, where we're playing, where we're visiting. And so consumers are saying, wow, I'm not willing to give up my time off. Another trend is when you travel for work or business, bringing your family. Mm -hmm. That's become a larger emphasis. So a lot of our uh, conventions will say, great, I'm going to come for three days and I want to know what can my family do? What can my significant other do while they're in Indy? Yeah. And what programs or services will be offered for getaways and, and, and excursions while I'm in the walls of the convention center. So both of those play well for, for Indy. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, one, one thing I was thinking about is, you know, you mentioned kind of where these people are coming from. The other thing I'm quite, who's Indy's big competitors, mm. right? You yeah. know, I mean, who are you guys competing against with for the couple from Chicago that wants to get out of, you know, whatever, you know, the city and kind of feel feel relaxed for a little bit, go to the spa, stay at Bottle Works and, and go shopping a little bit. Where, who are you competing against for that business? A Chicago resident yeah. resident is getting peppered by Indianapolis, Milwaukee, okay. and St. Louis. I Got it. That, that makes Probably sense. Detroit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we're in that market, and we best invest a million dollars each year into paid advertising to reach consumers in cities that are about 400 miles or less in driving distance of Indy. 400 miles or less. So we have a a 12 month integrated marketing campaign that's inviting those residents to come visit Indy to get away, to escape. That Chicago resident is, uh, again, they're being lured by Detroit. They're being invited by Milwaukee Mm -hmm. to come to Summerfest. Yep. And so we have to compete and we have to make a, a viable case. In our case, it's a quick, affordable getaway down I-65. Yeah. You can get here and the return on investment and return on fun and the return on experience when you park your car and walk everywhere yeah. is real. Yeah. And so that's played well. Uh, Chicago is the number one city in the nation where we see the majority of our visitors, period, exclamation point. Makes sense. Hmm. So we spend a lot of time cultivating Chicago residents and, and having them be aware of our advertising and, and act on that. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I mean, the proximity, I mean, we do a lot of business in Chicago and, and vice versa. And one thing I've noticed, you know, being on the world, not being a Hoosier, right. But obviously I, I got my, uh, uh, my MBA at Purdue credit school. Mm-hmm. It's now called Mitch Daniels. I don't know if, Oh, it is. Well, I don't know how it works because my degree says Craner, but I don't know if I'm supposed <laughs> to call it the new one. Anyways, that's for a different episode. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, like talking with people and alumni of that, how many people that from the Chicagoland area that have gone to IU or Purdue and have those affiliations with Indiana universities or Indiana itself. Yeah, right? we're, and we're competitive. So. Right. I don't know about you. I have family and friends who live in Chicago. In fact, mm-hmm. they're visiting this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. This weekend. And, oh, you know, like, is there really anything to do or eat? Sure. Right. And I get competitive and I wish indie residents would be a little bit more hospitably competitive. I agree. In pushing back. For instance, if if Paige, Andrew and I, if the three of us were magically put into a bar in New York and we were sitting around a table. Yeah. And there's 10 other people. And we we're like, hey, where are you from? And they'd be like, I'm from Denver. And they'd say, where are you from? I'm, I'm from New York right here. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm from LA or I'm from uh, uh, Nashville yeah. or Austin. The indie resident, not us, but the indie resident would go, well, I'm from Indian, Indian, Indianapolis. It's, <laughs> that it, was, no. I, I've lived that story. I'm, in, I'm from Indy. And like, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> so you don't it's, have to explain. So you just simply state, I'm from Indy. I yeah. call it Hoosier I mean, humility. That's what I call it. I literally have lived that story. And I said, I'm from Indiana. And they're like, where? And yeah. I'm like, okay, this is why I didn't want to tell you, but now imagine <laughs> so if now every I resident, get what you're saying. You say I'm from Indy yeah. unapologetically. You can still be hospitably humble yeah. and feel full of humility and, and just more confidently stating you live in Indy. That's where you choose to live and raise your family. No, we don't need to apologize about it. Oh. 
that's how you change a brand yeah. is when your number one brand advocate, your resident is adopted and, and yes. speaks, speaks highly. Okay. And that's yes. where we need to work as a city. Yeah. I like it. So I, I, our call to action. So here's a, my wife picked up on this. So she went, you know, she'll go visit my family. Everyone's in the Cleveland Youngstown area. Sure. And she's blown away at how many people are proud to be from Cleveland and Youngstown. Youngstown like, is such like a cool. It is thing. like, I am from Youngstown. I know. Or I am from Cleveland. Like I am from Cleveland and the amount of t-shirts and sweat, like the amount of guys I know that have a Cleveland tattoo. You're right. A tattoo on their body with some sports insignia or the area code or the zip code page, you'd be blown away. You know, I might even have one. I just will never tell anybody. <laughs> well, look, cities compete yeah. for talent, yeah. talent attraction. Cities compete to drive economic development deals yeah. for, for, for companies that are set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also attract for visitors, yeah. uh, compete for visitors. And so that's the idea that Indy is, is constantly trying to get the attention of someone away from and mm. to visit. Now, on the convention side, yeah. we compete with Orlando and San Francisco and, and uh, San Antonio. We compete with Austin and Nashville. We just beat out Chicago for a major uh, yeah. conference that will happen here in 2033. Yeah. Okay, so we win more than we lose. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I want your listeners to make sure that they, they realize that every day, People from around the globe choose to get on a plane, choose to get in their car, mm-hmm. and arrive to Indy. It's yeah. by purpose. They're not forced. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, they're it, not all just visiting family obligatorily, yeah. right? right? They're choosing it. And there's a lot of goddamn good reasons for there it. There you go. Right? Amen. Amen. That's what you guys say. Look at you, Indy Proud. There we I go. will be. And I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm not a Hoosier, but you know what? I'll be an ambassador because there's a lot of amazing things going on in this city. And, and honestly, Paige, in the back of my heart is I felt like sometimes this podcast needed to be a platform for that. Yeah. Right? To talk about all the cool stuff. Well, and, and, and yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a focal point of learning about your community and, and being maybe more in in love with your community, candidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. So talk to me a little bit about the convention business. Mm-hmm. I know here in the city, there's been a lot of news, you know, about the city stepping in mm-hmm. and building the Signia Hotel. Sure. Right. Controversial. Yep. But- I've been very public in my statements and press that I thought it was a very good thing for downtown because the convention business is, it's a long game, but you got to make bets mm-hmm. and keep up with the Joneses. Otherwise you're going to be missing out long-term. Yeah. But am I wrong or, or do I, do I got the right idea? No, there, you got the right idea. Okay. And, you know, so we're this nonprofit who's been around a hundred years and right. since 2014, we've been advocating that we need to expand our convention center. We need to build another convention headquarter hotel. And so in 2014, we started this process. We started studying the feasibility. Mm-hmm. 2018, we, we more formally studied it. We've done focus groups. We've done surveys. We've done in-depth studies times three or four. And the reality is if we don't expand our convention center for a sixth time since it opened in 1972, we will lose current conventions and not be able to bid on a bunch of future conventions. And it can't just be the convention center expanding. We also need another headquarter hotel that evens out the city skyline. We always see these skyline photos of the beautiful JW, which has incrementally helped our city. Oh, big time. Imagine a a complimentary tower on the other side of our downtown balancing us out so that we keep convention business, attract new events, and and then we're also able to host two simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And so for the world we live in, what keeps us up is that there are 83,000 men and women who live here who depend on our industry for a paycheck. And if we do not expand, they will not come, and therefore uh, uh, Hoosiers who, who... need this as their as their income stream won't be able to work. And so that's what keeps us up. 
we're proud that we were able to punch this through. Uh, it's it's not a traditional funding model, but it is one in the last five or six years that has come to uh, come into light. And cities and states are starting to invest in their own uh, hotel projects. Right. And with Atlanta being the one that we're really eyeing. Well, that's that's the example I actually I gave because I was down in Atlanta, yeah, a couple a couple months ago at this point, and seeing everything that's going on down there. And the analogy that I've given to a lot of economic developers is. Like Atlanta made some huge bets in the early eighties with the airport. Yeah. People thought they were nuts. Yeah. Like people, you know, my, my dad was this traveling salesman his whole life flew in and out. Like he would leave on Friday, come or leave on Monday, come home on Friday, you know, schlepping around the country. Um, and you know, he, he would tell stories and my grandfather as well traveled quite a bit about what Atlanta used to be like mm, yeah. and how sleepy and boring. Now you go down to Atlanta and you know, it's not mm-hmm. made you live there as a, as a child mm-hmm. for a period of time as well too. It's totally different, but it's because they, you know, Jackson Hartfield airport. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was a huge bet. Delta was not Delta as we know it today back yeah. in 1981. Yeah. And so it's like taking those ambitious bets. Um, and then the other, the other factor where I kind of defended the city quite candidly is like in the capital markets right now, mm-hmm. private financing on a hotel of this scale, it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. really going to be difficult, but municipal financing is a lot more stable. There's a lot more investor demand in the secondary market. Mm. It's just a lot easier. And I said, you got to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Period. Right. And yeah. you got to show that when you're answering those RFPs and you're trying to court that, you got to show them that, hey, it's not only great today, but for a, a convention in 2033, yeah. that's making a decision. You got to show that, oh, by 2033, it's only going to get better. Yeah. So if you like us now, wait till 2033. What if you're not expanding your, your, your sitting idle? Yep. Right. And that's not a reason alone, but that's to, to say that, again, cities compete. And so when the, the, the city and the Indianapolis Bond Bank said, hey, look, our credit is so yeah, solid yeah. that if we go out and we finance it through hotel revenue bonds, not a public ta- tax, yeah. Not in lieu of public safety or infrastructure. This is a hotel revenue bond that will be secured and can only profits can only be used to pay back the hotel revenue bond and yep. their holders. And so, the city is uh, drawing upon its its good credit rating and its good uh, financial st- uh, um, stance to say we we value tourism. And for us, it's been politicized, but for us, it's never been anything but an economic development strategy to grow the city. Yeah. So, so when you're, you're, you're working with, I'm sure you work with marketing consultants and ad agencies, you know, it's interesting. There's so many projects going on mm-hmm. around like the kind of Indianapolis area, right? You have Indy 11, yep. everything that Keystone Realty is building over there by the new Stalker stadium. You have Bottleworks, which has been wildly successful, but there's even more phases coming. There's, you know, obviously we talked early before we got on air about what's going to be next for Circle Center Mall. Mm-hmm. You have the Signia Hotel. How do you condense all that into a story, right? Yeah, How, what's the challenge there? Because there's a lot going on that I think to people outside of this area would be really surprised to hear about all the activity and all the great stuff going on. It, it's hard because seeing is believing. We know yeah. if, if, a, if someone who's in charge of booking a meeting or convention doesn't see us, in person, they're they're not likely to book, and so half of our, uh, not a half, a, a big part of our responsibilities to get decision makers here so that they see the city and have confidence in booking. Mm-hmm. When we market Indianapolis outside of Indianapolis, right now we're saying about two two billion dollars in new tourism infrastructure coming online by twenty twenty six. Yeah, it's huge. and yeah. when you say wow, okay, and we have a map build where we show across really the downtown, just the downtown, what's coming online Mm -hmm. from city market to Indy 11 from Pan Am Plaza to circle center mall. 
we are not sitting idle. Yeah. Right. And all the racing analogies come to play. Yep. And, and so, yeah, we do fixate on that. We communicate that daily so that that end user who's booking a conference or booking a meeting or a trade show or thinking about holding a major sporting event with our friends at the Indiana Sports Corps, he or she goes, wow, like that's an ascending city. And that's mm-hmm. where we're kind of heading it. We're using that. We're an ascending city. Yeah, okay. That's, good. That, that's, good that's, that's, a, that's in our vernacular. That, that's something we say and, and, and show visually daily as we promote and market Indianapolis. But it's, it's tough because we go head to head, head to head. We were just in a pitch in yeah. Chicago for a ma- major medical meeting for 2031. And we're up against Nashville, Austin, mm-hmm. Indy, and LA. Now, some may say one of those doesn't look like the other. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's, here's my, I've done tons of business travel over my career. And I thought about the analogy to me that would resonate if you were pitching to me yeah, that I, and I wasn't from Indy is imagine your experience arriving at each of those airports. Wow. LA is a nightmare. Yep. Right now, one of the main terminals is closed. They're rebuilding it. LAX is always a nightmare. I was going to say, it's always a nightmare. It doesn't matter if something's being it's, remodeled It's always or bad. <laughs> Austin, I was just there six weeks ago, literally packed to the gills. Yeah packed to the gills because Austin's grown way too fast for their infrastructure. Yeah. Right. And not to say Austin's a bad city. Austin's a great city, but going there is like going to what I call a mini version of LA. Now traffic's terrible. Airports overpacked, et cetera. Nashville, same way. Yeah. You know, nothing against Nashville. Nashville's got amazing things going on. And obviously to Indy from a geographic proximity, it's probably pretty close, right? Sure. From, from a distance standpoint, you can get there in about four hours pretty easily. But their airport as well, they've grown, kind of had an Austin problem where Indy's airport, you show up and I've never had a moment where I felt overwhelmed. I felt like you walk into the bathrooms and like, if you walk into the bathrooms at JFK, no offense to JFK, every single time, they're disgusting. Like, like you know what I mean, right? Like, and everything's packed and you go outside and there's always construction. You can't figure out where the taxis are, you, you know, right? It's just, it's a total nightmare. And so I always think about in those terms, like if I'm a busy executive going to a meeting and I'm meeting with customers and clients, I want the best experience possible, right? And, and boy, does the airport deliver on that? Mm-hmm. Our airport delivers. They 100%. deliver year in and year out because they genuinely care. They are hospitable and they've been, they invested in improvements in public art. And yeah. so we hear from our visitors repeatedly, what's it like to visit Indy? It's easy. It's, it's accessible. Easy. It's clean. And so if you're listening to this and you've thought about dogging on your downtown or dogging on your city, just know that we get accolades day in and day out from international travelers who say, this is such a clean, walkable, accessible city. From the time you hit the airport to baggage to an Uber mm-hmm. to your check into your hotel to walk to dinner. Uh, if you're a family again commuting from another regional city, and it, there, there, that's a it's built into what, how we have taken some of the things we've taken for granted. Yeah. yeah, I was traveling on a holiday weekend, and I kept hearing on like the news or the Today Show. I was like, get to the airport so early. It's like pre-COVID numbers for this holiday weekend, and we were flying international. And I was like, we have to go two hours early. <laughs> We had so much time right. because we were able to get in, get through, and get to our gate in like 30 minutes from the time we hit the door, and it was so easy. I was I was talking to the, our friends at the Indianapolis International Airport, and I think right now, if you're non-TSA pre-check, the average wait time to get through security is four and a half minutes. That's nuts. That's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. That's nothing. 
That's the average year to date. Four and a half minutes. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Nothing. You can't get a table at a restaurant in four and a half minutes, you know, right? <laughs> or I mean, even a cup of water. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's awesome. But we're also in the perception business. And right. So if I asked you, and yeah. we do research, if you've never been to Indianapolis, what would you think of it, right? What do you think of Indianapolis? And um, Indy 500, Colts, Pacers. Those are the three words used to describe Indianapolis for someone who's never visited here. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that makes sense, right? It's sports. I mean, sports. But at least it's something, right? So, mm-hmm. so our job is to affect that as a community, as a city, as, as a tourism agency to try to embellish that, to try to enhance that. Because if I said, hey, San Francisco, in your mind, a consumer, they'd see the Golden Gate Bridge yeah. and they would think about uh, trolley cars and a windy road and maybe wine country right, and right. the Redwoods uh, the Redwoods right, and, 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 and Pier yeah. 49 or Pier yeah. 39. And, and so Indianapolis always has to work harder on our brand. Denver, mm-hmm. if I said we compete with Denver, you say Denver, you'd see mountains and you'd see yeah, right. outdoors and and. Mm-hmm. and Nashville, you see Broadway Correct. and that, right? Correct. Austin, right? You, you know, Cesar Chavez Boulevard and all the cool stuff going on down there. What do you think, you know, this is something that I've been having a few conversations with about public spaces mm. and creating iconic public gathering spaces, right? So the High Line in New York City, I think about, right? And how it connects to 50 Hudson Yards. And I, I had the benefit of living in New York at the time when Tishman was starting that project. And I toured the project early and that big spherical thing. Yeah. And everyone kind of was like, oh, that's weird. Guess what? That, it works. You know, it's a, it's an amazing thing. What do you think, you know, what's, you know, what do you think's coming down the pike as it relates to that and those dialogues about creating those public spaces so that people can say, Oh, Indianapolis. Oh yeah. There's Indy 500 Colts and Pacers, but they have X Yeah, and that's really cool. You got to go check that out. That gives somebody, because not everyone's a sports nut, right? And that's, but it, there are a lot of people that are, but what about that other thing to help kind of tangibleize maybe arts and culture? What do you think the opportunities are there? We're, we're really excited about White River State Park yeah. and how they are thinking and approaching the next expansion of the park. Okay. So yeah. if you think about, if you think about the GM stamping plant, Mm-hmm. 100 acres or so, yep. uh, and we know that that's changed different directions through the years, yep. and now we know Elenco's building its world right. headquarters. Check. Uh, there is an incredible opportunity along the banks of the White River as it winds through that section of our city, and there's incredible opportunity for White River State Park to expand to the south yep. to get bigger and bolder with public art, yes, with new tourism-related attractions, and with green space along the river. Right. We have long felt at Visit Indy that we have not fully utilized as a community, as a city, our downtown naturally occurring asset, which yep. is the White River. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Citizens is making it cleaner. That's good. Uh, by the groundwater and, and, and the storm drainage that will get cleaned up. And there's a bunch of agencies, including the state, that are thinking about how do we tastefully develop the banks of the White River? Yeah. It's 58 miles winding all the way from Lafayette all the way down past our city. And so how do we tastefully engage and interact with the water? Mm -hmm. And so I think you'll see in the coming years more and more tasteful development as part of White River State Park and the downtown district and the water. Imagine if you could canoe. Yeah. I was thinking Lazy River. Stand up, (laughs) stand up, surf. Yeah. If you could recreate and just be at a beach right. and wade into a clean body of water, yeah, that would be unexpected for Indy. It would, it, it, and, you know, it's funny you bring that up. So in high school, I, I rode very competitively. Yeah. And I stopped in college because I didn't want to, there's two-way class. I won't get into it, but I didn't, <laughs> I don't want to be a lightweight rower. Um, and neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, 
it, what was interesting is in Cleveland, you know, the there the the river is notoriously dirty. Right. Right. Everyone, there are memes about it. There's memes, right? The river caught on fire a bunch of times, right? And it's still to this day is not very clean because it's a major, it's an industrial waterway, right? Just because of where it's the St. Lawrence Canal and yeah. all that, right? There's all this mining and aggregates and salt and all this. But we had a lot of boathouses mm-hmm. along there for all the different rowing clubs, right? So it always kept, you know, to some extent, there was always this connection to the river. And when I first moved here, I thought about getting a single in mm. rowing, but there was no body of water other than Eagle Creek, which is kind of far away. Yeah. And I'm a downtown guy. And I've always thought like, wouldn't it be great if I could row along the white river yeah. well, as exercise? You know what I mean? And, and the answer is yes. Now there's these low head dams that prevent right. clean water or excuse me, uh, um, uh, settled water. It's, 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 it's not navigable per yeah, se, right. but there are steps at least for big chunks of the river to be navigable and, and to, to have recreation on it. So that's exciting. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's huge. Yeah. And again, circle center. I hope that listeners and people who live here don't get worried or frustrated. Think of it as an opportunity. Yes. Okay. So we had a hundred acres at GM stamping plant. We should be excited about what's going to be developed and how it helps the, the visitor, but also the resident circle center. We shouldn't be worried. We should look at it as an opportunity for this urban development blocks of our city that can be reimagined. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, if you, if you subscribe that we're an ascending city and we have not outdeveloped like say in Austin, or overdeveloped, right. arguably, with a lot of cranes. Oh, they have. Like yeah, believe national. me, I was there. There's 15 cranes in the downtown of Austin. We're like we're like uh, humbly putting up cranes. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> and that's yeah. It, yeah. It, but it, I mean, it's thoughtful, right? At the end of the day, and I think with ascension there comes change, mm. right? And we all have to accept that. You know what? Change is in general good because it means you're progressing forward. Yeah. You know, we can argue about exactly which path and what altitude we want to ascend. But at the same time, I think it's really important to embrace that change perpetually. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's probably a big part I would imagine of what you guys are trying to do. I mean, I know obviously your main mandate is to attract visitors, right? New people, but in a, in a way, some of your marketing and your efforts are also, you know, maybe not directly directed towards citizens today, but citizens, you know, by nature will consume some of that information. Right. I know I've visited your website many a times when, trying to find something new to do, right? Well, we, we do see that. We see residents plug in. Uh, we, we talked about welcoming family as yep. another piece of this. Mm-hmm. Visiting friends and relatives is a section of travel. This is the idea, if you think about your own behaviors, that in a given calendar year, there are times where you go visit family and friends in another city. And that's still tourism. Just because you don't check into an Airbnb or Verbo or a hotel that's a good way of thinking about it. doesn't mean you're not visiting. You right. still go out to eat. You still have to be entertained. And so think about when indie residents have family and friends come for a long weekend. We are tour guides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to say, hey, you know what? There's a great restaurant on Mass Ave. I'm gonna, let me show you my city. Okay, yeah. That's tourism as well. And so back to our earlier discussion that we need residents to be indie advocates of all ages, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100. Everyone serves as a tour guide within a calendar year at some level when you have family visit or yeah. friends visit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chances are you're going to welcome someone from Chicago at some point in the next 12 months. And they're probably thinking there's nothing to do. Yep. Well, hey, did you know out of any city in the United States, the number one city who comes to visit us is Chicago? Yeah. They'll probably question that. You can tell them the tourism guy told you. Yeah, it's real. It's yeah. real. Well, it's funny because the thing I was thinking about is, I don't know if you've ever had, like I have a few friends that were like born and raised New Yorkers. Yeah. And if you're coming to the city and say, hey, I'm in New York for a couple of days, they're like, hold on, I'm going to call three people. Boom, yeah, boom, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. You're going to go here. You're going to have lunch yeah. here. You're going to do this here. Oh, you got to check out this, et cetera, et cetera. We all have to 
be ambassadors in our own way for the city mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Advocates because, and ambassadors. Right. That's your job as a right. resident. Right. You're right. When that phone ring and, and you know, th- that New York resident is going to be more likely to say, no, no, no. Here's where we need to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going there. No, that place yeah. is no. garbage. You're yeah. going here. This yeah. is the place for bagels. Screw that place. They're, they're rat bastards. You want to go here. Yeah. Because right? it would be a reflection on them if you went somewhere else. They'd be right. like, your city's... Yeah, right. 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 They want you to have the best impression possible. And so in a lot of ways, every you know person in Indianapolis needs to take that attitude when they have somebody visiting in their orbit, right? Here's another, uh, thinking about branding, perception. Yeah. We, we've done research, Indianapolis versus Indy. Mm. So I want you to think about who refers to us. Next time you're in a conversation, business, picking up the phone, someone from outside of Indianapolis, do they call us Indianapolis or Indy? The research shows Indy is approachable, sporty, more sophisticated, just in general, a city that you'd rather visit. Indianapolis feels stodgy, old school, not progressive. The other thing is- We can never use Indianapolis when we're talking. What do do I do? I don't know. You know- no, everyone know. complains about how loud I talk, but yet when I ask people, what well, I, say, I no don't one. remember. <laughs> I don't memorize your diction. Well, now if you're traveling internationally, yeah. you probably say Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm just curious because okay. I'm I didn't grow up here, right? So I I might have a different vernacular just because I'm you know still still integrating fully. I, when the, I was growing up, it was Naptown. Yeah, <laughs> is that what the cool kids called it? Page? Well, I think probably, I don't know how old you are, but when I was growing up, it was Naptown because it was the snoozy place. Right. Which oh, is, that wasn't like, a, that's not a cool thing. Stop saying that, Paige. You're like giving me the eyes. Like, so, no, you have so to be I thought it was just So I've heard Naptown. This is, the, we're going on a great digression because this is actually really fascinating to me. Cities have nicknames and that's actually nicknames. one of ours. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I want to share the genesis of it. And okay. actually, go ahead. Because I, I assumed it was kind of a cool thing because Indianapolis, Naptown, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I get that. That's that's not. I wouldn't use it in my diction, but I could see like younger, hipper people using it. But it's it's a bad thing, right, Chris? Maybe you got a different different. You you might be the source of truth here. Well, it depends who you talk to. Okay, many believe many residents believe it is a nod to our sleepiness. <laughs> and that we only came alive one day a week or one day a year for the Indy 500. <laughs> uh, so some believe that. Naptown, when we trace back and talked with those in the black community, is actually a nod to jazz mm-hmm. and some of the uh, underpinnings of black culture yes. within our city on Indiana Avenue. And that musicians would come and identify as Naptown. And it was a term of endearment that speaks to our art and culture. And yeah. so candidly, we've struggled and we've talked to our black and brown communities about utilizing Naptown as a, as part of our vernacular. We're a little too, we're seen as governmental, even though we're nonprofit. Sure. So for Visit Indy to go out and market Naptown is mm-hmm. probably not adopted. Feels disingenuous. Disingenuous. Right. Got it. Yet there are some, including Nap or Nothing and some other local entities that are sprouting up putting a strong foothold and trying to get Naptown uh, authentically adopted by our residents. And so we love that. There's that store on Mass Ave. Nap or Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Remember we walked it down there after lunch one day? Well, and it's interesting you bring up, you know, because of the Madam Walker Theater. And I found it, I've been reading, Paige knows I'm, I'm a bit of a book nerd. Okay. So full disclosure, I've been reading a lot of books kind of on the history and some of it of Indiana. Sure. Just because I didn't, you know, I didn't take seventh grade. We state get history. it. You're not from here. That's right. Okay. Everyone all knows right, now. All right, all right, all right. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. And, and the history and kind of heritage, especially, you know, for, for, for black Americans is actually, there's a very fascinating, deep mm-hmm. cultural history mm-hmm. in Indianapolis that mm-hmm. I did not expect. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like my perception as an outsider was, oh, it's it's a, Indiana. It's fairly white. It's fairly homogenous. Mm-hmm. Corn. Okay. Yeah. Like you know, I get it, right? And then then Hoosiers the movie. Yep. Right. That was my perception of Indiana, but the more I've kind of read into the history of Indianapolis and things like that, there's all these great stories. Yeah. Right. And and diverse history too. Right. And, and that's part of our job at Visit Indy is to uncover stories to tell, to entice travel, mm-hmm. to change the brand, to, to enhance the brand. And you'd be surprised how many faith-based and minority-based conventions and meetings we host annually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, we're proud of that. And that that's speaks great. To, to how we are welcoming of all. W- when you think about Indianapolis versus Indy, some of the stereotypes and perceptions, not mine, but just when the research yeah. shows, is that Indianapolis includes the word Indiana. When we use Indy, it, it somewhat differentiates separates. us and separates mm. us from the state. That's not a knock on our state. We have lots of great attributes and right. individuals doing great work from uh, the dunes all the way down to Evansville, right? Yeah. And everywhere in between. And a lot of consumers, when we do our research, identify with Indianapolis as the state and its brand or misperceptions, which aren't all true yeah. or untrue. And so that's another reason why we run with Indy, because it is largely more adopted by those who are thinking about visiting. Interesting. interesting. That is interesting. But I can see that now, Yeah, you know, a little bit. And, and it's it's just fascinating to because some of those perceptions, like I see it with my family, mm-hmm. right? Like my, my family, they, uh, they love them, but it's like, if I was like, hey, mom and dad, you should move here. Because they're retired now, yeah. right? And I have two wonderful boys, as you know, Chris. Yeah. Right? And they always want to get time with the grand grand boys. But at the same time, like they're also like, "Well, it's Indiana," like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they're just like, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, "Well, now you got to really experience, like you know, yeah. being the ambassador, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, because I want that free childcare." Yeah, that's right. Mom and dad, I love you guys, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because that's the one thing that's been tough, you know, after we had kids, is not having that infrastructure yeah. in place. Uh, but it's funny, even with my family, I have to try to overcome that perception sometimes. Yeah. Well, right? I can I can probably mirror that too because my parents lived here for yeah. twenty years when we grew up here, and then we all left, and so they're like, "Well, we're not sticking around here for the weather if you guys are all gone." So then they moved to Florida, and mm-hmm. then my sister and I moved back, and they're like, "Wait, what?" So every time they come back for Christmas or Thanksgiving, we're like, "We got to go to Newfields. We got to go to Sullivan's. We got to go here. Yeah. We got to go there to really like sell them." On indie, yeah, it's do you feel, interesting. Paige, when when they visit or any friends or family, do you feel a sense of ownership? Yes, I sense that in you that you, that you would be one of our indie advocates already, an ambassador yes. that would say, you know, yeah, this is where we're going to go. We're yes. gonna have a great time. Yes, once they get over the cold, because now they're like snowbirds and they can't. Yeah, but it's not that cold here. I know it's not. It, let Compared me, to, I've lived in Chicago and I grew up in Cleveland. Yeah. It's not that cold. I know. <laughs> Believe me, <laughs> the, but you know the weather's actually really mild here. My dad remarks on that. The past so, few years, it has been very mild. So, so my first winter as a homeowner, I bought, I got what I call like the Great Lakes starter pack, but a Lowe's, <laughs> got three or four sh- snow shovels, got all the three orange. Three or four? Wasn't it just you and Dom who's shoveling? You need different types of snow shovels for different types and weights of snow, question. Paige. No, there's, you don't. There's no, believe me, you do. <laughs> Have when, you ever when 24 inches, one, one, yeah, when, when, when 24 inches drops, but see, this is, this, this, I, that's all I know, right? And this is as an adult, you like, mimic your parents, right? And I got all the orange poles and I marked off my driveway because I was prepared for piles of snow and I want to be able to know where I park. And then it snowed like twice. 
like in any sort of accumulation. Now it snows like on and off. Mm-hmm. It doesn't accumulate like it does in the Great Lakes where like at my parents' house, I will call them in the morning and call them in the evening and 12 inches has dropped. Right. Right. Yeah. And then there's another 12 coming tomorrow night and they don't even skip a beat. Like, oh, we're going to work. We're going out. We're doing this. No big deal. Right. And so it was kind of an interesting thing. And I told turned to my wife who's from Fort Wayne. Yeah. And which is a little bit more north, right? Maybe the, their weather's a little bit closer to Toledo or whatever. But I was like, you know what? The weather here is actually pretty mild. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that bad. You know, the only thing is the gray in the winter that yeah. gets me. Without yeah. the snow, because the snow kind of brightens things up. Yeah, that's, that's a good opinion. point. Mm-hmm. But the weather here is not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Everyone says it's bad, but it's not bad. Well, they lived here for 20 years, they know, but yeah. now they're Floridians. Yeah, I guess so. I guess if you're a snowbird, I yeah. guess you have to complain about something, right? <laughs> So what what do you see kind of coming down the pike is some big opportunities or some big initiatives you guys are working on at Visit Indy to kind of continue to get the word out? Or what's happening for the hundred year? Yeah, we, oh, we, yeah. we've had a, thanks. We've That's had a series of kind of uh, benchmarks to reflect back on where we've been, where we're going. Mm-hmm. If you think about, you know, certainly we're excited about Circle Center. Yeah. We're, we're excited about 11 Park. We're excited that Monument Circle, hopefully you've heard the news, will be uh, seasonally yes. closed on the south section to invite residents and, and visitors to sit and be and, 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 and recreate and have food and live music. It's part of downtown Indy's initiative to get more people onto the circle. Uh, that's exciting. Next year, we host the NBA All-Star Game. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That was a huge announcement. So... I, I struggle with, I know there's that balance, right? Cause sports and yeah. trying to like the, you know, kind of balance it yeah. at the same time, sports is a great way to get people to visit, right. And, and do a trial run. You're right. It's, it's before it's, you fall up. Right. And we've always done a great job as a community, making yeah. sure there's a, a, a legacy piece, making sure there's a public art piece there. And this will be arguably the most equitable NBA all-star weekend to date. That's awesome. That and is the Pacer awesome. Sports Entertainment and the Simon family have challenged us all. And we've been working That's hard. Great. We had it for 21, pandemic. We're very relieved it's for 24. Here's why. We had a little bit more time planning. Mm-hmm. A group of us were in Salt Lake this last February to see how Salt Lake did. They did a great job. We'd had some lessons learned. Mm-hmm. One of those was we wanted the three-point shootout and the slam dunk competition. I about that over at Lucas Oil. To be available for more people. And so instead of ha- having that inside... Gainbridge, it'll be inside Lucas Oil Stadium where 35,000 people can sit. That's awesome. And the first uh, set of tickets will be for Indiana residents. And so on Saturday night of the NBA All-Star Weekend in mid-February, you can come to Indy, check into a hotel. If you're a resident, drive downtown and see NBA uh, uh, stars, slam dunk, three-point shootout, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, depending on where you want to sit. That's awesome. That is and, cool. And we That's will so be cool. welcoming um, 70, 80, 100,000 visitors over that weekend, yeah. Twelve to 1,500 international media. Mm-hmm. They'll be talking about what happens inside Gamebridge and inside Lucas Oil Stadium. They'll also be talking about our city. Right. Yes. Okay. No pressure. That's exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, all PR is good PR. Right. Right? And, and in this case, in February, we do have to worry about weather. Sure. Yet. Yeah. We feel like the connectivity and the walkability of our downtown and how we'll engage with local artists and local chefs mm-hmm. to set up inside Circle Center, which will be still some, some ca- cavernous uh, spaces there. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So we should be excited as a community. We often, if you talk about people who were here in 2012, yeah. they say, oh, the Super Bowl, and it was great. It was, right. Yes, it was. Right. We should have the same amount of enthusiasm. I'm not kidding. The same amount of enthusiasm pointed as a community, what's coming up for the NBA All-Star Weekend. It's a who's who of celebrities. Yeah, it's a right. who's who of business community members. It's a who's who of media and, and sports talk personalities. And it's something that most major cities have bid on and not gotten. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, and, and that's, uh, and it's amazing. Cause we, you know, we've had Patrick Talty on talking about it. Right. And his passion for it. And, you know, I mean, it's just amazing to see, you know, all the events and how much, you know, and I know it's a big team effort too, cause I'm sure you guys are part of that as well. Getting those events there, people, I don't think the public understands how competitive those events are because the cities that win them know the economic benefits yeah. mm-hmm. and they're not just in the immediate aftermath. They're not just during the event. It's for years to come in a lot of cases, right? Patrick and I often talk about, and we work together daily, sports core and yeah, visit Indy right. on moving the city forward and every major sporting event, they go out and score. We're alongside them supporting wrapping around with, with, with hospitality and tourism that comes with it. Major sporting events, tourism as a whole, is also a quality of life initiative. If you're a city that is worth visiting, you're a city worth living in, right? And so you think about going to a restaurant, not 100% of the people in the restaurant, next time you go out to eat, are residents. Mm -hmm. Some of those are visitors. If you go to Newfields, the majority are visitors, okay? So you can't have a thriving arts and cultural scene or cuisine scene without visitors because it wouldn't be a a sustainable business model. Right. Wouldn't be able to support a a year-round symphony, wouldn't be able to host events like the NBA All-Star Game without tourism infrastructure. They all add to this quality of life that makes us want to live in and around our downtown. Yeah. So kind of shifting gears to challenges. Mm. You know, we we maybe a little off air, we kind of talked about, you know, what we're seeing about the future of urban development, right? And I'm curious to get your thoughts, you know, you know, the the whole ecosystem, right, is broken down into and you described it really well was, you know, there was at one time, most downtowns are made up of residents, tourism, and then office workers, Yep. right? Now we know that the part of the equation, office workers is still very much lagging Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic levels. And quite frankly, you know, and this is what we do every day is we expect that to continue for, for maybe forever, right? To never recover to the nearly that velocity. So what do you see as challenges for downtown to keep the momentum going, to keep supporting these new initiatives and kind of where the focus needs to be, right? It's probably got to be on tourism and it's probably got to be on residential, right? Yeah, I think so. When we talk to downtown Indy and they, you know, they share that 96 or 97% of residential is, is occupancy in residential downtown. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tourism is back. Yeah. We're pre-pandemic levels. That office worker is, is softened yeah. yet. You know, can we make it up in the tourism bucket? Can we make it up in the residential bucket? Right. The other piece of this, and it, if I asked you, if, have you been coming downtown to work here through the pandemic, through the social unrest, you'd say, well, I didn't work here then. So I, I did. No. I was <laughs> here every day. You, you came. Yeah. You, you know, I wish there was a way to look at downtowns nationwide and rank Indy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would see us, and I am a bit biased, <laughs> above when you look at occupancy, when you look at number of restaurants, when you right. look at number of major events and, 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 and um, attractions and development. Yes, we're not immune from big city problems right. like mm-hmm. those who are unhoused. Yes, there have been incidents where people have died. We're a big city. Yeah, and yeah, crime happens. Crime happens. Period. You know, there's no way to avoid it to some extent. The biggest challenge is actually a perception problem that Correct. our downtown is on fire. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's largely driven by the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because um, I live in Carmel. I commute downtown in half for 18 years. There are things I like to do closer to home. Of course. There are also things I like to experience that I can't do uniquely outside of the downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I have never once felt unsafe to bring my family, to bring friends, to direct people here, and, and, and to invite people to visit. And I, I just wish those who, li- who are listening who, who have knocked our downtown would take a pause and say, you know what? I haven't given it a fair shake. I haven't gone down to eat at Harry Nizzi's. I haven't gone down to a Colts game. I didn't go to a Pacers game. I haven't gone to a Fever game. When was the last time you went to Victory Field on a Friday night and saw fireworks? When was the last time you checked into the JW Marriott for a staycation and brought your kids to White River State Park yeah. to cruise along the gondola? Mm-hmm. When was the last time you said, you know what? We're going to ride our bikes downtown on the cultural trail. Yeah. If you haven't given it a chance, you're not allowed to knock it. That's Jimmy Cohote, that was directed towards you. <laughs> <laughs> Paige is already calling people out. <laughs> He's somebody who works with us. Uh, he's an industrial broker. That the downtown's on fire. It's well, then why it's are not. hundreds of thousands of people visiting daily safely? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's actually the safest neighborhood in Marion County. I believe that. And 3.5 million dollars in new money has been deployed in public safety and helping those who are truly homeless. Yeah. More people are walking the downtown public safety. More cameras have been installed to look at license plates. Bars that have been the culprits yeah, with right. 3 a.m. shenanigans have been closed with the help right. of IMPD and the city and Visit Indy and Downtown Indy. Yeah. That has helped, but we're not immune. We never will be right. a perfect city because yeah. we're a big city. Yeah, right. well, that's exactly right. And you're right. I do think there is a big misperception and, and, and not to knock the media, but sometimes, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, that's the, what gets clicks, Yep. Mm-hmm. right? Not that, oh yeah, another safe weekend downtown is never the headline, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not. Right. I mean, it's just, and, and you're right. I mean, I think, you know, you, you mentioned Carmel, obviously we've done some deep dives into Carmel sure. as well because it's doing some amazing things. Yes. And I don't think it's an or, Correct. It can be an ant. Correct. Right. And I think, you know, all tides lift all boats. Yeah. Right. So if we all are doing better together and supporting each other, the more there is to go around for everybody, period. Mm-hmm. South of the city is growing. East, west, north of the city is growing. That's good. That's that, that's what we want. And it yeah. can be an and, to your point. It doesn't have to be an or. Right. right. At the end of the day, a visitor does not know county lines. Think uh-huh. about it. You go visit a city, you're oblivious to what county I'm in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. People... Drive here, fly here, and want to go see Connor Prairie, a Smithsonian affiliate. It's pretty cool. It's not in Marin County. They might stay in Marin County. People come each day to go to uh, Grand Park for yeah. youth amateur sporting. They, they visit routinely. It's not in yeah. Marin County. People fly to Indianapolis and go down to Columbus to go see the world-class architecture. But that was one of the first things I did right? when I moved to Indiana. I swear that was one of the first. I went to go to the Miller House. The Miller House is unbelievable. Amazing. Japanese tourists, we track. UK tourists, German tourists flying to Indianapolis. They go down and see the architecture. Yeah. So, you know, again, you don't have to think about county lines. No, that, that is such a good point. So uh, I guess we have a few questions. We didn't prepare you the, That's with great. these, but these are, these are ways we get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And these, you can answer any way you want. Uh, tell us about, you know, a, a show you're binge watching right now. What are you obsessed with? Oh, uh, we have been watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. Oh, is that good? Oh, I haven't seen that. I'm a big documentarian fan. Okay. Anything documentary wise, just, just fascinated by real people doing real things and breaking stereotypes and, and, and learning about them. All the 30 for 30s. Uh, big, I love this. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that. Let's see. Yeah, I, I think that's what, what, what we've watched last. So. What's it called? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't know the official title. It's a okay. great question, but it's all about his rise. Okay. And it's, it's an amazing As an story. immigrant 
through politics, through weightlifting, through I mean, it's acting. amazing acting. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to think of him just as the Terminator. Yeah. But if you really like look at his career, right? He was the governor of California. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like and it, he was a huge movie star, yeah. governor of California. And the funny thing, I saw a clip from that documentary when he was Conan the Barbarian. He didn't speak English. Correct. Get in the chopper. So they were teaching yeah. him English on set, and he didn't even know what he was saying. Right. And, and he's not a perfect person. Yet his no. story is. That of and he uh, married a Kennedy. He married a Kennedy, and he talks about that. <laughs> Didn't end well, but he married a Kennedy, and, and he talks about how that helped him politically. Yeah, I'm oh, sure. oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> but what an American story! That's so yeah. much fun. Okay, tell us about you know a book or a podcast or audio book, something that you've listened to that just had a big impact on you that you had to share with somebody else. Wow. Um, let's see. I listen to Rogan because I think it's it's healthy to get different perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> I could go on. Don't. I, I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a, 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 a. You know, I don't listen to every episode, but but I think it's interesting. I'm listening to President Obama uh, and his latest book mm. oh, while I commute to and from. Let's see. Yeah, those are the two that come come top of the mind that I probably most recently have listened to. How to Meet is another one that, that I'm, I'm listening to that's a book about how we gather, how we meet, why we meet. That's interesting. How you close how the door meet. to make the room. Mm. Uh, how, you know, how do you tamper down voices that are too loud and those who are softer to get both sides of, of an issue you're talking about? What Zoom meetings are doing to the, to the industry of how we collect ideas and, and collaborate. So those kind of come top to mind. That's interesting. interesting. That's interesting. So I guess it leads me to another question because you mentioned Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. And so this is, I've been studying a lot about psychology of office, organizational behavior, all that kind of stuff, how these things fit. And the thing I've been thinking about, and we did a consulting engagement with the client recently, you know, they were, you know, they were like, okay, we're going to go hybrid, but we need some policies, procedures. But what we found out is we dug really deep Mm -hmm. in on that was I, I, I think I turned to you, Paige, and I said, I feel like I'm back in business school doing more management consulting mm-hmm. because there was a lot of things we discovered that were communication issues mm. or you know, how do you gather consensus with a Zoom meeting, mm. right? In person, it's easy to pick up on the nonverbals and see if someone's dissenting, but maybe they're afraid to speak about it. But on Zoom, it's not. So in that book, I'm curious, and you don't have to give it all away, but w- what was kind of that thesis? And then maybe what's your thesis on hybrid remote work I, in the future? I think you have to give flexibility because that's what humans crave. Right. I believe we will ultimately uh, decide to come back to a physical place to collaborate, and we should give room for both in this gray space. I think cameras on during a Zoom or a Teams meeting are critical. And yeah. I've, I've, I've gotten resistance from that because, well, on a call pre-pandemic, you're not showing your face. But the issue is Zoom is in place of a physical meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if I wasn't giving you eye contact, page while we're having a discussion, then I'm not truly actively listening. And right. I'm a firm believer in that. So if, if we've decided that this is valuable and we've decided a meeting is necessary, which is part of the book, and we decide we need to have an agenda and we need to get something done and build consensus on it, then we have our cameras on because that is active listening. Otherwise, it just feels disingenuous. Right. Yeah. It's like us meeting and I'm on my phone the whole time. Right. And so, so I think Zooms are helpful. Mm-hmm. And they have their place. And I, I'm a big advocate to have the camera on. Yeah. I don't care if you got kids. I don't care if your hat's on. I don't care if you... If you showered and did your hair it's, or it's, your makeup. We don't care, Paige. We yeah. didn't, I, when poor I'm Paige. Home, she, got her, she got her hair cut recently. And it looks very nice, Paige. It, <laughs> it does. does. For our listeners that can't see, Paige's hair looks great. But 
she was kind of mad because nobody noticed. I cut six inches off. It wasn't That's like I just got it. I, I yeah, noticed. I was like, you guys. <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but you, in, the, in the in the team's defense, it is all men. That's true. Okay. So, that is true. You know, we're a little we're a little numb to things like that. <laughs> no, I'm okay if, if if someone says, "Hey, I want to let you know in the chat." You know, hey, um, I'm in between, and so I'm in the car, or you know, yeah. I, right? There's one off situation. I want to let you right. know I'm listening. I, I this is why I can't. I'm I'm in between, so that's okay. But at the end of the day, that like that's that. one of my pet peeves. Yeah, I like that. I, get, I like that too because I'm guilty of doing that today. We were on a Zoom meeting and I had my camera on, but I was also multitasking and. We and, have to be present, yeah. right? We also need to, to to realize that people are working differently. And so, like, we, we can't be ashamed if we say, well, I'm remote today. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, you can be remote and still be productive. Thoroughbreds yeah. will continue to produce, and those who want to take advantage of a system will continue to do that in the office space. Yeah. Right. So, I don't need to apologize if tomorrow I'm going to work from home, if that's where I'm going to be my best self. And it, it's funny in all this, I, I think yeah, the other thing I realized was, you know, because I had a traditional background in business and an MBA mm-hmm. and kind of was in corporate America and then, you know, moved into an advisory role. I, I kind of thought it was interesting aha moment that I had working with this company on their consulting was there's got to be a whole new thesis written on management mm. and leadership for a hybrid world. Mm. And I'm curious to see how that pans yeah. out. Cause I think that's going to be, so some of the inf- like things that you just said, I'm, I'm running them down because I think, these are, these are going to become the new rules mm. at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, nobody went to school or, or was groomed or mentored in leadership. Cause we all had leaders that we looked up to or mentors that we looked up to, but it was based on a different set of physical circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we yeah. take that away. Some of those lessons aren't as relevant. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think as leaders, we're all trying to challenge ourselves to think about new ways to create consensus, give autonomy and flexibility. Yeah. But there, you know, I always say is autonomy and flexibility, but there has to be some boundaries and accountability, sure. right? Yeah. Of course we can't, you know, it's not free range, everything, you know, you can't run an organization right. above a certain number of people that way. It You're just right. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that balance shakes out and what yeah. that means for office workers going forward. I do think there's some pendulum swinging and some new norms being kind of forged, but it's going to take time like everything. I want to mention one other thing. So I've been on Zooms with your wife. Yeah. And on some of those, she's been at home. Yeah. And it's endearing mm-hmm. because you see someone in their in their environment, mm-hmm. yeah. which traditionally has been closed off. Right. And now we get to see glimpses of kids or of art that holds significance or of a pet. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think you draw, you draw leadership by being vulnerable. Yeah. And yes. you're vulnerable by letting someone into your home. There's an intimate barrier there. I'm allowing you into yeah. my home mm-hmm. visually now. That I think builds a culture of care and vulnerability because you can see into someone's house. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. And it's tough for leaders, right? Cause you gotta, you gotta show that vulnerability first sometimes, mm-hmm. right? To be reciprocated. Yeah. So Chris, how can people find out more about visit Indy? They want to use your resources where do our listeners go? Yeah, visitindy.com. Visitindy.com. And I would tell you that we have the Weekend Five. It's a newsletter that goes out every Thursday at 10 a.m. Okay. And it is, t- tells you five things you can do this weekend. Cool. That's and, awesome. And, and if you, and here's my challenge for you, your listeners, is when you travel, don't keep Indy your little secret. Mm-hmm. That's right. Be proud that you're from Indy. Mm-hmm. Keep your head up. And use hashtag love Indy. Love Indy. Hashtag, hashtag love Indy. Let's start love putting Indy. that on our podcast. Hashtag yeah. love Indy. It, love Indy. Idea. We launched that years ago. It came, it was helpful in 2015 when it really was, it was at its height. And we've seen millions of uses with hashtag love Indy. Love it. Is hashtag there anything we didn't Indy. cover that you want to? 
no mention. Okay. I really admire your podcast. Thank you for having me on, Paige well, thank and you, Andrew. Thanks uh, for coming. It's fun to, to be with you. <laughs> thank you, Chris. And to all our listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of Urban Foundry. To find out more, follow us on LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to like or follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube at Urban Foundry Podcast.